Welcome to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women. Each week, we feature interviews, information, and inspiration that will motivate you to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. My name is Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley, selfless syndrome expert, board-certified women's health coach, and alternative medicine practitioner, wife, mom, and entrepreneur. I specialize in health for busy and driven women. Listen weekly as I share the tools, perspective, and knowledge you need to lose weight, boost your energy, and fall in love with yourself so that you can serve the world with an even bigger impact. Hello, welcome back to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women. I'm your host, Dr. Alex Swenson-Ridley. I'm really excited for today's guest because we're going to have a conversation that is very applicable to many of you. I know from the ones I clients I actually work with, and I'm sure our listeners, and uh, it's just going to be good. So (laughs) let me go ahead and introduce. Um, I'm joined by Darcy Eichenberg, who has worn a lot of hats in her life. She's been an executive coach to leaders at organizations such as the Coca-Cola Company, Microsoft, State Farm, Deloitte Consulting, and more. She consults and speaks about career growth, employee engagement, and leadership development all over the world. And she's the author of Being Your Bring Your Superpowers to Work, Your Guide to More Clarity, Confidence, and Control, and blogs regularly on leadership and career issues at Red Cape Revolution. And she has a new book I know uh, about not quitting your job and all that. So I'll let you share about that, Darcy. But welcome to the show. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Dr. Alex. I am so happy to be here. Yeah, the new book is called Red Cape Rescue, Save Your Career Without Leaving Your Job. And uh, it's a it's really a guide to how we can take back more control in our life at work. Awesome. And so applicable to so many. So I know we have so like a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of directions we can go from our brief little conversation before we hit record. But let's, let's, start. I, I would like to hear some of your story and kind of how you got to this point where you're, you know, talking with women specifically, but, you know, around career and transition and change and. Yeah. So, you know, my story looked like a lot of uh, a lot of people that I now am fortunate to work with, probably some of the kinds of people that you get the opportunity to work with where um, I looked good on paper. I had a big corporate job. I actually I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of terrific people around me. I made good money. I had a, a good team. And I realized one day I had just been growing and getting new opportunities every three years or so. But at some point, my boss decided she was going to retire. And when I heard that, I realized I don't want that job. I said, I don't want the next job up. What's next for me? And I hadn't really ever done any of that introspection because things just kind of going along. And I was just chugging along, doing my thing, living my life, and and just thinking, well, this is just how work is. This is, you know, we just keep following whatever the next thing that's put in front of us. And so that moment, and actually I described it in the book, it actually happened, I got the phone call in a cold McDonald's parking lot. I pulled over off the highway to be able to uh, get the call from my boss because I had no idea why she was calling me. And it just you know, really changed everything to make me stop and say, if the next step for me isn't obvious, then... I've got to do the work to figure it out. And that's when I hired my first professional coach. And I knew nothing at the time about what coaching was. And this was 
you know, this was a while ago in the wild, wild west. But, you know, and people would look at me and they'd say, oh, well, of course you want to stay at this great company. Of course there's another role for you. Or why are you just happy where you are? And I really had to do the personal work to say, what was it that uh, was in my superpower space? What was the work that I wanted to do? Um, I never thought I would have my own professional coaching business. I, um, But that came through the opportunity to really be the person helping people grow, as opposed to the person out in front doing all the big deals and selling and things like that, that I had been. And I actually created the opportunity to experiment with some of the new competencies that I was learning about what professional coaching is. Um, and I created an internal coaching program right in my own company and gave me the opportunity to put my foot in the new world, but also kind of keep a, a little bit of stability and security where I was. And eventually I said, you know, it's time to jump. If I don't jump and try this full on, I'll never really know. And that's been now, I think, 15 years ago. And I haven't looked back since. So I work with people all over the world uh, around career growth, around leadership development, a lot of up and coming leaders or leaders who are making whatever the next leap for them, whether that's to a different role, to a different type of thing within their organization, um, or helping them make those kind of decisions. And then I also do speaking and obviously the writing of the books. And I have a regular weekly blog that I do. And so uh, it's been a, a great opportunity to serve people and to be state connected. And my personal story really kind of spurred me on. And I think that happens with a lot of us that we start teaching and learning what we most need to know. Absolutely. There's, there's so many things here. And I think for a lot of women who are, who are listening, you know, it's like first just having, giving yourself permission to say like, Hey, this isn't really what I want to be doing, but then like, what does that actually look like? And I went through this, albeit earlier in life probably, but, um, you know, I built like a seven figure chiropractic practice mm -hmm. and I've talked about it on the show, but there was literally a moment where I walked upstairs and looked around. I just, you know, spent a hundred thousand dollars remodeling this 6,000 square foot building. And I was like, this isn't my dream. Like, I don't want to actually be doing this. <laughs> yeah. And, every, and I bet at that time, everybody's looking at you saying, well, that sounds nuts. I mean, look how hard, you know, she's worked to create this. What a good gig you have. That's what I call looking good on paper, right? But this piece, you used a really important word about permission. And one of the strategies I'll often advise people is to write your own permission slip. Because you remember back when you were a kid and somebody else would give you permission uh, to go to the field trip or to uh, do something that was, you know, less supervised. You had to, you know, your school or your organization would give you a permission slip to bring back. Well, as adults, we often are looking for permission. And I actually, I, I joke with some of my clients that very often their intuitive self, they know what they need to do. Um, and they come to a coach to almost validate that or yeah. to find the blind spots on it. And I think it's great to look for our blind spots, but often you know, my, my job is not to give permission, but to help people recognize they already know the thing that they need to do. Now, how do we get into action? How do we actually make it tangible and real? And that's where the, the rubber beats the road. It is because that piece takes courage and it can be scary. And mm -hmm. 
you know, you might be jumping into something that is unknown up to this point. Well, it's, and it's all unknown. You know, this is the yeah. thing that amazes me um, when people stay stuck in fear or hesitation is that everything is all made up. We think, oh, there's a right way to do this, or there's a right career path, or what's the right, the question I hate if I go visit a college campus or something is I'm trying to figure out the right career for me. There's no right career. You know, there's no rights to all you can do is put your foot on the next rock that's in front of you right now. You make the best decision you can for what's right in front of you and keep moving forward. I, I worry sometimes that articles and women's magazines and we talk about maybe someone making a career change in 700, 500 words, you know, oh, she used to be a banker and now she's a goat farmer. Look how happy she is. It's like, those are not doing us any justice, right? Because there's a thousand steps between that. And, but they make, but you can only tell a career change story in hindsight, but we're all living it in the moment and whatever stage we're at, we've got to give ourselves permission that that's okay. The fact that I don't know exactly what that next step is, but directionally, like, do I feel like I'm making progress? Do I feel like that conversation was a worthwhile conversation? Whatever it is, and we just keep repeating it, moving forward one step at a time. Yeah. So good on so many levels. So because I have a lot of clients who are in this position where like, for some reason, their job is just not doing it for them anymore. It's, it's a source of stress. They know it's keeping them stuck. They don't like it. There's, you know, all the stuff that goes on in, in their head, like where, what's your step or your process. And like, where do you start with? Yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah. where do you this? start? Right. Where do you start? <laughs> so the first place is to recognize that we only control three things. We control what we think, what we say, and what we do. And that is it. I can't control what's going on in the economy. I can't control what's going on in my organization. I can't control you know, anybody else in my own household. I only control what I think, what I say, and what I do. So when you recognize that you can take back control over those things, a lot of times we've given that control away. We've Listen to all the noise in the media that says, oh, if, uh, if you're not happy at work, then uh, you need to go start your own business. And we think, well, okay, maybe, but is that really what I want? Or, oh, you need to go negotiate for more money. It's like, is that the solution? But we have to stop hearing all those things and think about what, what do we think you know, and, and get clear about picking the thought that moves us forward, which is often a more positive emotion, a more, um, you know, something that propels us forward, as opposed to all of the fear-based thoughts that pull us back. And I'm sure Dr. Alex, this comes up in your work a lot too, but you have to recognize that the brain is always just trying to keep us safe and keep us playing small. And when we listen to all the fear-based messages, and even, you know, we think, we just, that little nagging voice in our head. Um, we have to take that control over that narrative uh, so that we can really listen, what I call listen to the whispers. It's actually a chapter in the book where we can get really clear 
on what our heroic self, what our what our true self wants and start taking action toward that instead of letting that little lizard brain uh, talk us out of, I should have that conversation with my boss or uh, maybe I should explore what's happening at that other company that I'm really curious about. So when we're stuck, I think the first thing is to recognize what do I control and letting go of everything I can't control and the, choosing one thing to start to take action. Maybe I need to take control over my thoughts and stop listening to that lizard brain that says I'm too old, I'm too fat, I'm too short, I'm too tall, whatever. Or maybe I actually need to take control of what I say. Maybe I need to speak up or speak out more or take control of what I do. Maybe it's there's a, cha- a chapter in the book that's become pretty popular uh, called Drop Some Balls. Maybe there's things that are annoying me in my work that I need to stop doing. I need to just recognize this isn't creating any value for the company. It's become busy work or it's just a habit that maybe it was important two years ago. It's not important now. It's a lot of things we actually can stop doing to be able to get rid of a lot of those things we've been tolerating and things that really drag us down. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love your input on this because I had a, I think this is easier to do when you like own your own business because you can just be like, oh, I'm going to stop doing that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, either delegate or whatever. And it can be harder. Like, for example, I have a couple of clients who are accountants and like that, you know, that world is, is what it is. Mm-hmm. At the time we're recording this, it's tax season. So mm-hmm. <laughs> they've all been very stressed and there's, you know, breakdowns in communication and leadership and everyone's understaffed. And like, there's all this stuff. And so for them and for anyone else in this position, it's like quieting that is what I I get that you're saying and just taking control of your own thoughts and and like not feeling like you like have some boundaries with yourself. Right. Right. Because I, so it's a great example of professions that we think are so structured and focused, but the fact is Every human being is different. And even though there might be, so for example, we're sitting here in the USA today, and today is the tax submission deadline day. Um, But the way that someone got to here, the way that they're handling it, the way they're handling their conversations with their clients, uh, the way that what they're asking other people to do for them, that can vary, uh, uh, you know, on a big basis. And what I find happens a lot of times is we back ourselves into a trap of shoulds, right? We back ourselves into a trap of, well, I should do this instead of asking the other person, hey, this is how we've done it in the past, but this one aspect of it actually costs us a lot of time and energy. And is is there a different way to do it? Or I'd like to do it this way instead, or I'm going to choose to do it this way instead. So the idea of dropping some balls, actually my audience is a corporate audience. And when we've done this with uh, the women that I work with who are inside what look like traditional project-based organizations that they realize the way that they work is all made up. And plus much of the work is made up and they can take a hard look and say, what are all the things that I'm doing? Is everything I'm doing of value? Is every way I'm doing it actually optimized to help me? So you mentioned boundaries. So things like 
am I answering texts that in the middle of the night? And I've created a story for myself that says, well, that's being very customer service oriented or being very uh, responsive, which is lovely and fantastic. But if it's draining you instead of contributing to you, we can teach people how to treat us. And you know, we, we can't do it like the day before the big deadline. So this is where uh, being able to take a step back and say, what are those things that are just really draining me about my job right now? Um, is it the way that you interact with somebody? Great. If it is, we've, if we get clear on that, we can hit reset and say, what can I control? Maybe I can control actually holding up a mirror to that other person and saying, you know what? Hey, Sarah, I just wanted to call something call something intention that I've been noticing. You know, I've been noticing that after the project is submitted, you've been second guessing what we've submitted. And I just really want to know, is there something else I'm not seeing about how these projects are getting done? But you can choose to say and take control and put those things out there. Oftentimes, human beings are get into sloppy behaviors. We all do it. We're all doing things that are practically unconscious sometimes. Um, and so there are things where we can reset with other people, expectations, habits. I also find that there are so many things we might be doing on our own that are our shoulds. Oh, I should uh, make sure that there's always cake for somebody's birthday. Well, but if you hate stopping at the store an hour before you go in to pick up the cake, what if you just stop doing it? Like, you know, if there's a vacuum, if someone cares about it, someone else will come in. But even bigger things like reports, so many times we are in the habit of we've always done this report, but if it takes a disproportionate amount of your time and it's not in your superpower space, does anybody need it? Is that information actually accessible in other places now? We can drop all of these types of balls and often without even asking anybody else, just by making a choice over what do I control and wait to see if anybody notices. I love that. Like, just because I, I think you're right. And especially there's something about the female psyche too. I think where, you know, we're like, Oh, but I have to do it this way. Or, and especially who I'm like our listeners on this show, we're the type A perfectionist. So it has yeah. to be in a certain way and, you know, and all this stuff. And it's like, no. And, and for I, that, you know, if, if you have a, I always say that we want, we really want progress over perfection, you know, mm -hmm. and progress is what feeds the human spirit, you know, knowing I am moving forward, knowing that there is something I am contributing, something that is meaningful, more so than perfection. Recognizing you don't control everything is often a big eye opener to people who have put a high value on perfection, but recognize all that's doing is causing stress and anxiety. The image that a friend of mine who's a Buddhist taught me once is that if you pick up a handful of sand, if you squeezed it really hard, it's all going to filter through your fingers and the sand will be gone. But if you pick it up and hold it lightly, the sand will stay there. And I often think it's that way too with you know the things that we want. When we're just squeezing it so tight, all that does is tense us up and make us worry more and make us wonder more instead of saying, okay, I want this thing. I'm going to keep moving forward with it. I'm going to treat myself with respect and and see where the next step is going to go. So uh, yeah, I think that 
we, there is no such thing as perfection, but it might be perfection for you is to have a different feeling or a different experience. And we, one of the things I'm seeing right now too, is that we did a lot of things at the beginning of the pandemic. We, we, we sprinted into a lot of here I come to save the day, you know, emergency behaviors, right? But some of those have now hardened and now we're still doing them the same way, even though our work, our lives at home are have shifted into a marathon. You know, maybe it looks different than it did three, four years ago, but the the muscles you build to do a sprint are very different than the muscles you build to do a marathon. And this is a great time for anyone who's stressed out in their current job, who even is thinking about a change, that before you take that level of stress and anxiety and all that that it brings to say, what is it that I actually control? And maybe where can I take that control right where I am, just as I am? And often we can find some things that really make a difference for us and for the experience we're having in our life at work. Absolutely. There's so much power in that for everything. Cause I think, you know, we, oh, especially with the pandemic, there was so much that was reactive and now it's like, you know, then we settled and in some ways there was actually less on my plate I found, but, you know, we can also get stuck in those patterns of like, have to do it this way, but yeah. you're right. Well, and, like and, and, our, our and life, our families, all of that. Right. Both ways, doing too much <laughs> yeah. or doing too little, or, you know, yeah. saying, oh, well, it's not the right time. And that's, that's the lizard brain again, that little yeah. part of our brain that's just trying to protect us and hold us down. But I often will talk to new clients who they describe the feeling like this, like I got one foot on the gas, like I'm ambitious. I want things. I want to grow. I'm really interested in my field. And then one foot on the brake. It's like, and my, you know, I just keep, I can't get motivated or I, I stop and start, or I can't decide. And that's the conflict of the brain versus, you know, what I call the whispers, the true in, internal heroic self. And we've got to be able to talk back to the brain to be able to let ourselves get into the action that's right for us, Um, whether that's taking on more strategic action or doing things toward who we want to be or getting rid of some things that are getting in our way. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting. We're having this conversation right now because this is something that's been coming up for me a lot. And, you know, I, I transitioned from having a physical practice and staff and all of that stuff into I'm virtual now. And I have a couple of assistants that are virtual, but it's very different, but I found I can still get caught in these patterns that are not healthy <laughs> and that I did not like from, you know, what I was doing before. And so I'm like looking at how do I take control of my schedule? Who says I have to have back to back to back clients on the days that I see clients? Like, why is that a thing? You know, just challenging the shoulds like they're they're yeah. all there and you know well, and taking the pause and the time it's like this week I'm like I kind of want to do a deep dive into this and before I grow anymore like build <laughs> look at but, create what really is within me that I want yeah and the suggestion that I always make on that the two things is one to get super clear on your values because and this actually is a chapter in the book and there's an exercise in the book and a supplemental exercise that you can get for free um, that that helps you go through and clarify your values because a lot of times I believe that we 
when if someone just said, "Hey, what are your values?" we would throw a couple out, but we don't we haven't really done that deeper dive to say what is most important to us because all of your decision making plus your perceptions about others are all filtered through your values. So, for example, I had a client who um, they both worked on the same marketing team, but in different roles and at peer levels. And one of my my client, she valued inclusion. Like she liked to be part of things. It was really important for her. And this other peer of hers kept leaving her out of meetings. And so it caused frustration. It caused conflict because it was rubbing against her value. But when we actually stopped and kind of looked at the behaviors of that other person, just from afar, right? Not even asking her, we realized that person valued freedom. And so when they actually had a conversation, when my client did what she could control, which was speak up, if it bothers me, I need to, I need to speak up. Um, and she found out that the other person was making decisions thinking it was helping my client because she valued for my, the other person valued freedom. So she's freeing her from those meetings as opposed to my clients thinking of it as being anti-inclusionary. So values are really important for us. I almost think that any conflict we're having in our lives, work, family, anywhere, if you look at what's really going on, you have a value conflict. And there's no value that's right or wrong. It's just two, two two values that are in conflict with each other will you know, it's kind of like two keys on a piano. Each one is individually beautiful, but you hit them both together side by side and it's just noise. So getting clear on your values, I think is important when you're looking at those things and saying, why am I still doing things this way? And could I make some different choices that are more aligned with what's important for me now, what I'm really valuing right now? Yeah. I think that's huge and be willing to being willing to look at it. Cause I know I did a whole bunch of work when I was growing my original business and, and did some value, you know, mm-hmm. exploration, but I was, and this is something I've been working through because I've basically been limiting my self-expression for my entire life. I had this big realization this weekend, but um, you know, I would rely on like the values of my staff and, you know, the other people who are part of this community that I was building, not really wanting to own my own leadership and my own role in it. And so I think it's, incredibly important that we get like even if you're you know your people are your family like you have to get really clear on your personal values and also like what are the values of an organization and I would argue a lot of organizations and you know big companies actually don't know <laughs> or like the teams don't have them so that's somewhere we, we can be a catalyst but yeah like- I, I totally agree and and when I talk about values you know I don't mean the stuff that's up on the wall for a company it is really what what are what what are the decision makers, whether they're conscious or not, that influence your behavior? So, yeah. and and I do think that even though some will argue they stay foundational over time, I think when you go through major shifts, and who hasn't been through a major shift recently, <laughs> but a transition like the one you made from having a brick and mortar, you know, in-person business to having an online business to having a, a, you know, a worldwide audience, you know, just shifting the things you're doing. There are things because that change. And I think revisiting your values, revisiting your long-term vision. I often will work with clients to just do a, um, a looking back vision exercise. So pick a date in the future. Maybe it's 10 years from now, maybe it's two years from now, but 
when I'm maybe it's maybe it's 30 years from now, but looking back, what do I want to have seen? Like, what, what am I seeing? What am I grateful for? Uh, where am I living? Who's around me? What am I proud of? And sometimes looking forward helps us reverse engineer. Great. So here I am today. What do I need to do? What steps do I need to take to get closer to that longer term vision? So getting clear on that can also help make decisions around the way you're working. And because if, if the way you're working isn't working, it's all an experiment. We get to try something else. And I think that's even in corporate environments. We get to try something else, even sometimes within the exact same job. We just have to realize it first. Yeah. So cool. So interesting. So it sounds like, and obviously everyone go read the book, but <laughs> from your perspective, like this is the work we need to do before we make a change or decide like, Hey, this job's not for me or cause otherwise you're just repeating the same thing over and over. One of the trends that we're seeing right now is uh, I call it the great resignation becoming a great regret. Actually, there was an article in the wall street journal this morning about retirees in the same way that maybe it's up to 20 to 40% of people who retired during the so-called great resignation are now either looking to go back to work or regretting that they retired. And I get it. I think everybody makes the best decision they can for the moment that they're in. But one of the things as a, as just as a culture, we we've trained people that when something goes wrong in your life at work, that your only option is to go somewhere else. You know, it's like, Oh, I'm not really happy at work. Oh, go find another job. Lots of people are hiring. You're really valuable, but we we're not really teaching people how to look at what they have, how to think differently about what might go on and to recognize where, where they may be causing the stress for themselves, where they may be interpreting, making assumptions about things, about what's possible and what's not. I had so many people that I've talked to that have said, you know, I made an assumption that there's no growth there. And then, and I left and then, you know, another friend of mine um, there were these five things that happened, you know, for her because she asked for it and, or because she was clear about what she needed. So I do think that the job search world is just as hard as staying stuck in a job where you feel, you know, crap. So the only thing you can do is take back control and you don't have to not job search, but while you're there to, while you're you know, stop living in the experience of your job being awful. Get clear as to what is it that's bugging me? Is it this person? Is it this these expectations? Is it the workload? And you can find something in there to take back control, to be able to at least make some incremental change on that and experiment with different ways to uh, be able to test out what's going to help your work work better for your life. I love it. And I think that's such a new concept that we can kind of wrap up on this thought, but you know, so many of us, it's like our lives are, have to be designed around our job. And that was how my, what my experience of owning my first business was like, and I hated it because I was a single mom with a little kid. And I started the business when he was six weeks old and I like missed a good part of his childhood. Like I hated it. And I had the capacity to do something differently you know, within that, but at a certain point it, you know, hit that. But I think that's, 
that's really valuable. So if anyone's struggling with this, like, yeah, how does work fit into your life? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Because right. we only have one. And I, and I do think, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that more people are recognizing this, but the piece where they get stuck and feel trapped is that they don't know how. And to me, to that person, I say, our work is all made up. And you get to take back control. You are needed. You are you. Somebody out there needs you. Um, and so, recognizing first, where is it that what is it that I need? What is the, what is the situation? It might be totally different than what you grew up with or what other people think you need. And then being able to make those decisions about the things you control to experiment, to craft it, to make it up in a way that's going to work for you. There's no right or wrong. Um, the world of work is very shifting and diverse all the time, but I'd say life is too short to stay stuck in something that's not working, but what if where you're already working could be made to work for you? Those are the possibilities that I'm excited when people are willing to explore and dig a little deeper on. I love it. That just gave me goosebumps. (laughs) Darcy, thank you so much for coming on and having this conversation because I it's so applicable so levels for so many women across the world. <laughs> well, well thank you, Dr. Alex. You know, the work that we do at redcaperevolution.com, which is my, you know, my main business, yeah. is really all about helping people take back control over their lives at work. And we have tons of free resources. I have a, a weekly uh I think of it as a love note, you know, it's a little email, but it's encouragement and a tool that people can sign up for at redcapeinsider.com. And we have lots of different tools. And of course, the book, you can find out more about the book at redcaperescue.com. Okay. And I'll put links to all that in the show notes. Terrific. Awesome. Well, thanks again. This is a lot of fun. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Emerge, the health podcast for busy, high-performing women, where we provide you with the tools, information, and inspiration you need to transform from overwhelmed, overworked, and overweight to vibrant, energetic, and on fire. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and also leave us a review. Also, I don't want to be working with you on your health only once or twice a week. I want to be in this conversation and in the trenches with you every single day. I invite you to join me in the Emergent Women Community Group on Facebook for the chance to interact with me live once a week and even more information, inspiration, and motivation to transform your health and become the vibrant, energetic, and on-fire version of yourself we all know is under there. Until next time, remember to keep putting yourself first so that you can better serve the ones you love and the things you are passionate about. Mm -hmm.